Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. That's right, you are part of the story of Judea. If it's in your heart, and if it's in your mind, and if it's in your life, and Jerusalem is calling, I think that's the title of an old book, Jerusalem is Calling, and it is calling because it's Hanukkah time, and you know, Hanukkah is about lighting those uh, candles in your home with your family. But in the times of the third commonwealth, the times that we live in, then it is also a time where Jerusalem's light shines to the world. And that is how you're a part of it. When you are lighting today's, this next week's Hanukkah candles, I want you to also light as a reflection of the light that's coming from Jerusalem. I want you to not only be that, that spread out diaspora and lovers of Israel light where every home is your, your special little place, I want you to be like, no. It's not that I am a little candle and we're all a lot of candles in this world. It's more like I'm a mirror. I am refracting that light uh, that's, that's being the big light that's coming out of Yerushalayim. In order to refract that light from Jerusalem, I introduce to you the one and only Malka Fleischer, yes, Malka Shalom. refraction occurring. That's right, that's right. Malka, yes. uh, Shalom and welcome to you. Hi. And uh, thank you so much for joining us, Maka. Yes, thank you. Happy pre-Hanukkah. Yes, I'm, I'm quite excited about it. Uh, I love Hanukkah. Yes, you know, I really love Hanukkah uh, a lot. And and the real, in my opinion, the real love of Hanukkah doesn't come just from the candles and the latkes and the, and, the, and the stuff around it. A real love of Hanukkah is the study of the story of Hanukkah because it is an incredible story. And it's so true, Malka. It's just true. It's what just do you mean? The, these, you know, about, about in the mid... Second century BCE, i.e. about 2,200 years ago, the state of affairs was that Israel was caught between two powers, the Seleucid uh, Empire in, the Syria, in Syria and the Ptolemy uh, power in, uh, in Egypt. And there were other powers that I don't even know a lot about, Carthaginians and other powers and... Uh, uh, and, and Parthians, all these other powers that are fighting each other. This, these are important because these battles with these other powers uh, were important because Antiochus IV, who was the bad Antiochus, right? There was, there was a lot of bad ones, but he was the, the, the bad one of Hanukkah. Uh, he was also fighting with other battles, and that's why Judah Maccabee understood that this was the time to attack. So these are important little sub-stories. But basically... <sighs> Basically, you know, uh, Antiochus IV, instead of being like the Alexandrian model of like, we'll just rule and people can have their, you know, their, their, their ways and their religion, like cracked down on Judaism and became anti-Jewish uh, and wanted to erase the Jewish, they call it xenophobia. You know, so, there's a certain truth that the Jewish, the Jewish way is, is insular. It's, it's in its own thing. Let's call it unique or its own. Any case, he wanted to crack down on Judaism. And and the problem was is that there was a lot of and this is a big part of the story. There was a lot of Hellenists. The country had become right. Hellenized. Uh, they were called, you know, Sadducees or whatever they were called. They were called different things. But bottom line is that they were like pro-Greco, later Roman. You know, they were they were on that scale of thinking. And here came these guys, uh, this family, who could have thrown their hands up and been like. Whatever, you know what I mean? We'll just keep our Judaism to ourselves. But they were like, no, we have a national Judaism. And, um, and we have to push back on these Greeks. And we have to push back on these 
on the the Jews who have become pro-Greek in their thinking. And they fought a battle, and they were successful in both a military campaign, which was an asymmetrical guerrilla warfare, stuff that's basically studied as as classics of guerrilla warfare of the ancient world, of the classical world, and the, uh, the world of antiquity, whatever. And, uh, and, you know, they were able to overcome superior forces uh, through a knowledge of, of geography, of the landscape, uh, and, and of valor, and, and of techniques. And they also instilled back a sense of Judaism and a love of Judaism. And they a were love Judaizers. Of, yeah. By the way, I, I'm thinking about changing the name of Judaism. Okay. Yes. yes. That's going to be an uphill battle. Go ahead. Judaism. I've, I, I've said this before in the past, but I think I called it Judaism, but I'm saying Judaism. Judaism is like Judaism with, with, a, with, a, with an Israel tweak. Right, with like with a like, but with an Israel center. It's like it's like when you're when you're in the diaspora, and 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 I don't mean people in the diaspora. I mean the period of diaspora. Then it's Judaism. You know, keep it those little that little uh, light in your house. But now we're Judaism. That is that, that's where we're at. Hmm. What do you think? I mean, I like the the thinking that has to occur as you present it. Right. So anyway, so anyway, my point about Hanukkah is that it is a real miracle, but like it's a miracle of like real you know real victory if you've ever watched a sports game and seen people come back from you know uh, from uh, uh from behind as they say you underdogs know? underdogs it's just it's an incredible victory an incredible and and the, there was there was a, a military and cultural component to this victory and we celebrate that to this very day we celebrate that victory over Syrian Greek military right. and Jewish um, revival. Revival, right? It's very interesting. As you're talking, it makes me think about um, Twitter. It makes me think about. <laughs> it makes me think about previous uh, holidays, Hanukkah holidays, in which you see different kinds of Jews talk about what Hanukkah means to them. Twitter happens to be a place where, like, that seems to go down a lot, and we, there are so many like leftist Jews or uh, as, as we kind of uh, pejoratively call them as a Jew, right? These like as a Jews, you know, who like as a Jew, they'll like, they'll be, you know, they'll say like something ha- bad happens against the Jews. They'll be like, well, as a Jew, I disagree. And right. really the Jews deserve this or that. I actually call it a little bit differently. I call it hashtag my Judaism. My Judaism. As, uh, in, as in not Judaism. Right, but my personal, my, what my I My rendition decided, of Judaism, yeah. right. Anyway, so you'll see a lot of leftist Jews Talk about Hanukkah. Now, to me, Hanukkah is one of the most ironic holidays for a leftist Jew to celebrate. And while I appreciate wait, that wait, wait, Hanukkah... Wait, 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 what do you mean by leftist? Uh, that's, a, that's a very... I don't mean liberal, rights-loving people. I mean people who think that the Torah is threatening, people who think that the, Jew- the Jews are um, thieves and occupiers... People who think that um, let's use the term progressive. Then, what's progress about that? I no, can't use that's, that. That's true. It's a bad term in that sense. So why not leftist? Uh, because leftist can mean a lot of stuff. What could it mean? Because it could mean like environmentalism, and it could mean you know taking care of the poor and all kinds of other. 
I just think it's too broad of a sweep. It's too, too big. But we know we're talking about you. Okay, anti-Zionist, anti-Torah Jews? That, that doesn't sound better. Right. I don't know how to call them. You guys know what I'm talking about out yeah. there? I think we've, we've danced around it enough that you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, modern Hellenists. Right. <laughs> right, okay. Right. Like Hellenized Jews, like Greco Jews, okay? <laughs> so, I, I guess, we have to find a term for these people. Anyway. They would call so themselves on, progressives. That's but that's would. not progress. I, I, I reject that that uh, but, description. But but they self-identify as progressives, correct? I'm just saying in terms of if you wanted, if the if that person was talking Fine, to I you. I self-identify as correct. So they'll be progressive and I will be correct. Maka, you're not, I okay? also identify you as correct, okay? <laughs> I don't know how to describe them. Okay, I think we. as correct. <laughs> Tweet that, Maka. <laughs> anyway, so you have Jews who reject the Torah as a as an important component of Judaism, who reject the land of Israel as an important component of Judaism, and who um, you know are embarrassed uh, of of authentic Jewish things, um, and they celebrate Hanukkah, right? Because Hanukkah is a Jewish holiday; it's one of the many Jewish holidays, and it and it's and it's nice, right? And you're lighting Hanukkah. candles. And it's beautiful, and it's the holiday that comes out, of course, in America and th- really throughout the world. Hanukkah comes out as the uh, opposing force, sort of, to, uh, it, or as the Jewish, rather the Jewish Christmas. Right. Let's just call it that, the Jewish Christmas. And they're celebrating Hanukkah. And I always think to myself, now there are a lot of holidays that you could say it's kind of funny that Jews who feel that way would celebrate, like Purim, for example. Okay? But... Hanukkah to me is the penultimate ironic holiday for these Jews to celebrate because it's literally about Jews who saw this like westernizing sophisticated culture come in with all its advancements and all of its science and all of its worldliness. It comes in and then a bunch of like dirty farm Jews from some corner in in the hills of Judea, like creating a war, a physical and a and a uh, propaganda war. Right. It was it was in part a civil war. It was in part a civil against. War. Nobody wants to talk about just it, but it was those people, not just the Greeks and those like occupiers, but all their friends on the ground who were their neighbors. Now I don't know if it was actually in the same. Well, yeah, in the same towns, even even in the same towns. It, it starts with. The first blow... Right. The first blow is the killing of a Jew. Right. Who wanted to offer up a pig in Modin. Right. Who, who agreed to offer a pig according to, the, according to the demands of the Greeks. The Greeks demanded that they offer a pig. And one Jew, in order to like appease them, was like, fine, fine. We can offer a pig. Whatever. And, and the Maccabees flipped out. And they're like, red line. Like, you have crossed yeah. the red line. You're not going to offer a pig. And they killed that Jew. Well, everybody knew in, in Modin, don't mess with Mati. Yeah. So, and that's how it started. And of, and of course, you know, we know the overarching story. Like the Greeks, they come and they tell us we can't do Brit Milah. And they tell us that we can't worship the one God. And so we push them back, right? But it's like, it's, and, and, that's, and it's miraculous. And it's miraculous. And, and, and we found this oil and the oil lasted for eight days. And that's not supposed to happen. The, the eight days story is not in the book of Maccabees 1 or 2. It's not in any historical books. It's in the Talmud. It's a beautiful story. So that's a historical book. 
No, it, that's a book written 200 years later, and and not more than 200 years later, more like 600 years later, final redacting, and it's not even in the Yerushalmi. It's a story in the Babylonian Talmud. It's a beautiful story. It's a it's a story of light. But just just so you understand, it's not part of the historical, you know, line. I'm not I'm not poo pooing it, but do I am not, saying yeah. Do not take away from us our eight <laughs> days of, of oil, Yishai. You know, I heard Rav Malamed say to me to Which us. Which Rav Malamed? Rav uh, Rav uh, Zalman Malamed, the father. The father said uh, it's a way of describing that that God was with them because there were some people who. You know, deny that that this was true and miraculous and the right way to go. Uh, so there's like a miraculous story that was either you know at the time or or added on later. However, it is. But my point to you is, is just we don't know. But, just but understand that that is that, part of the fundamental story of Hanukkah. No, for most people, right? But it's not part of the fundamental story of Hanukkah. It's 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 a it's a it's a midrash of Hanukkah. You know what I'm saying? It's not the it's not the the, the key story. The key, they but went, the, the key story is that God was with us. That we retook the temple. That we re re uh, consecrated the menorah. That we lit it with pure oil. That is all miraculous. That's all plenty miraculous. No doubt. Yes, no that's doubt. all plenty miraculous. And um, and when I see that these like, could you can you imagine shaking Judah Maccabee's hand? I'd like to shake his hand. I'd like to feel his hand. Mm. I'd like to. I, I'd like to think about things like that. I just like to. I like to feel the roughness of his hand. And just well, you know, and they talk about the messianic era in which all the the uh, great, the greats who've gone before will come back. So maybe one day you will get to. But you know, you hand. know, people say to you, "Who would you like to meet?" Who? Oh, is that who you'd like to meet? No, I, just right now, it just came right, to right me. at I'm this like, moment. Like, yeah, I'm that like, would I'm be like, something. I would like to meet Judah Maccabee. I would like to. I'd like sh- to see the family, just the Maccabean family, just walk down the street. That's yeah. what I would. Like I would to like him to show me. I'm like, can I? See Apollonius's sword. Can I just? Can I see yeah, that? Yeah. Can I hold that? Can I just? You want to see it? And I just. I want to shake his hand. I can feel the big. Right. Know, the rough. Yeah. The, the big rough meaty yeah, hand. Yeah. Of or, this, um, of or it wasn't. Or he was some like little rabbi. <laughs> who was just right. like a jujitsu warrior. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And he he was a he was an extremely skilled tactician. No question about it. Right. So anyway, I guess I guess you know we don't need to to beat a dead horse, but I just think that uh, that like. Now is a good time. The Hanukkah period is a good time to understand one of the major to re to recalibrate yourself to the to the fundamental values of Judaism. Right. Very good. Um, that's what the Maccabees would have wanted. That's number one. But yeah. number two is that Hanukkah is really about that stuff. It is not about you know. There's so many children's books that I cannot buy. For my kids, I love Jewish, you know, like Jewish children's books, and I like them in English or Hebrew or whatever. And there's in Hebrew, obviously, there's way more. But in English, sometimes you want to buy a book, and it's not easy, Ishai, because so many children's books about Hanukkah are like, I went to my grandma's house, and she made latkes, and we had them. Do you want it with sour cream, or do you want it with? With uh, yeah. applesauce, and then she gave me a gift, and she gave me a gift for eight days. Yeah, for the for the eight days that the light lasted, uh, the miraculous oil that they found uh, lasted after the Jews cleaned up the temple and were able to worship God again. And while those are nice, okay, that is really nice. I'm not dissing it. Right. It like it it scrapes out all the depth of the story. Right. That's ironically why I uh, I get a little emotional 
about that Peter, Paul, and Mary song, Light One Candle. Because within that song, Light One Candle... We should play that. Well, I don't know if I have rights to play or whatever, but like, if, if just that song, Light One Candle, if you listen to the words, it's like, it's not about latkes. And, right, and, and eight cream. days, eight crazy right. nights. It's not about eight crazy nights. It's about like, these people fought you know that that uh, right that 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 like Judaism would survive and right. that the Jewish people would survive right and the song like right the, and what the incredible sacrifice that they that the, the sacrifices that they made right. and all the blood that flowed so right. that so that uh, we could hold on to the to this flame and that's the miracle I love that song that's that's why it does I'm like oh you got it you got yeah it. you're even yeah, <laughs> you may have it. to stop the recording <laughs> for a second no even even Elazar you know Elazar wanted to kill the the Greek king and he thought it was on an elephant he and he ran under the elephant which was a tank in those days right like a, and he and it was here a, yeah, it, was, a, it was here not so far away here I think in Beitsur here not so far away, and he stabbed that elephant in the stomach and right and died him, with it and they, right. they pulled his body out afterwards you know what I mean and he gave his life for that. Just, just that, you know. Right, just and that, that was one of the brothers. Yeah, yeah. And that was one of the Maccabee brothers. He was important. <clears throat> there was treachery. Uh, Shimon was killed uh, and through treachery and all kinds of stuff. Right, it's really... a messy story. Yeah, it's a messy story. Interestingly enough, uh, my friend uh, Arthur points out there's really no good movies about the Maccabees. That would be such an epic. Because it's also it's not like a happy go lucky story of no. like everything working out. No, so it would make an amazing Hollywood film. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it, it's it's you know and it's 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 a it's a long protracted story. Um, it'd make a good Netflix series. Yeah, it's a you know better just as good as any of those Norse type things. You know what I mean? And uh, you know the Viking or stuff that they have with out dragons. There. Yeah, no, but they have these like very realistic shows with the I forgot the name of it, but uh, you know, The Last Kingdom and that kind of stuff. Like this, this was, boy, 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 boy. And by the way, Mark, it's not beating a dead horse; it's petting a very lively horse. Okay, <laughs> we continue. We continue. Giving it carrots. That's right, giving it carrots. Uh, by the way, just one more point on Hanukkah. My good friend Yitz from J Brick. Yeah. Jbrick dot com. Where That's, you can buy the most adorbsy. Speaking of. Hanukkah, where you can buy adorable little Lego kits that are Jewish for your kids. That's right. He was flown in by the new Lego store in Tel Aviv in order to create a Guinness Book of World Records, Hanukkah. It's got 165,000 pieces. And you can see it on my Facebook page. And Yitz is in country right now. Uh, I have also hired him, but what's the word? Commissioned him. Commissioned, yeah. I commissioned him to make a model of the Ma'aras HaMachpelah, the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs in Hebron. And the model's almost complete. But he was whisked into the Holy Land. So cool. For his skilled, because he's very skilled, uh, to make uh, this unbelievable. Huge, gorgeous Hanukkah. In Tel Aviv. So nice. I'm really... I just want to say so many I'm proud of, okay? Yes. I'm proud of Yitz. Yes. Because that is so cool that he got such a name for himself that he's like known throughout the Lego Legoverse. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. One. Two. Proud of you, Legos, for wanting to do something nice and Jewish. The Lego store in Tel Aviv. Hanukkah. This is the Lego Three, store in Tel Aviv. I want to say, kola kavod to you, Lego store in Tel Aviv. What a great idea. So right on. And for bringing in a guy who's like an expert, that's just 
so cool in tel aviv in tel aviv i love it leah and i went to tel aviv this week oh we had such a nice time she had a day off of school um and for those of you who don't know uh, jewish children here in the land of israel oftentimes have six days a week of school um leah happens to have five days a week but on fridays i can't go do anything because friday is the day that i make shabbos happen so uh, we never go, but she had a day off during this week and we decided to do something we never ever do, which is to go to Tel Aviv, a place just that we never find ourselves like we never really have a reason to go to Tel Aviv. We're, we're obviously more Jerusalem type people. And we decided to take the train. We took the train in. We walked around Tel Aviv and everyone was so nice to us. And Tel Aviv is such a nice town. And we went up to the top of Azraeli Tower and mm-hmm. saw the unbelievable view. And we just... We just had such a great time. And so I, I'm uh, I'm very extra happy because I feel a little more connected to Tel Aviv than I did before, uh, having spent a beautiful day there. Thank the Lord. And Maka, I believe that you and I should make it into a personal Zionist challenge Yeah. Uh, to, to, to learn Tel Aviv and learn to love Tel Aviv. Yeah. And it is an awesome city. And now that the train has basically made it that it's 30 minutes apart from from Yerushalayim on a train. So basically it's like these cities are, are 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 much closer now. You know, and there's you know there's all these books, you know, Rome and Jerusalem, Athens and Jerusalem, all kinds of stuff. But now it's Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. It's these sister cities. Uh-huh. Yes. I announced today the sisterhood between Tel Aviv well, and Jerusalem. Well you came Jerusalem. up with that, eh? Yep, right here. Right here. Just <laughs> happened right here. Look at you. <laughs> Unbelievable. You have created something that was never thought of before. The Shai Fleischer show where things really happen. Yeah. All right, Maka, um, uh, Hanukkah's coming. Um, yeah. we Mishai, have a, we have I a, have an exciting announcement about latkes. Okay, go ahead, Malkies. I What's was on latkes? the Prohibition Pickle website. Yes. There's a big machloket in our house about latkes. Machloket, controversy. Yeah. To me, latkes are the better Hanukkah we food. Do not, we do not have a, con- a controversy or controversy between us. I cannot eat oily latkes well but you can eat sufganiyot correct you can eat jelly donuts you bet so explain that i don't need to explain it i just i, I it's it's a fact it's a fact i love you them know? so much though uh, you, i and and gazunta hate yeah eat, but eat the kids don't really like them which means i'm in the minority i can't want i'm gonna make latkes for myself okay well you can't so maybe i'm gonna order strong some army maka to eat what you know that <laughs> I just, maybe i'm gonna order some from prohibition pickle then you do they that. have three kinds of latkes okay on their website okay one is just potato. Right. One is sweet potato called Eastern Latkes. That's interesting. And then there's one that's kind of exciting. It's called Yapchik Latkes. Have you heard of this Yapchik? God bless you. Do you know what that is? No. I only learned about that in the last few years. It is a potato kugel, but then you put meat pieces inside of that. And now we're talking. Yeah. So this is a Yapchik Latka. God bless you. I would like a Yapchik. Yeah, we would like a Yapchik. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm all so I'm thinking maybe some Yapchik latkes and you and me, Yishai, are you going to be recording a show during our during Hanukkah? Uh, I might walk in the desert over there and record a few words. Yeah, because we're going down to the desert. We're going down to Timna, uh, which is north of Eilat. And uh, maybe we should take some latkes with us. Yeah. On Prohibition Pick Hell. That's right. That would be really great. And that's and they have these like cool toppings that you can put on top. One is called sweet and spicy apple chutney. That sounds good. See, there's a lot of words on the prohibitionpickle.co.io yeah. website that I don't know or don't know how to pronounce. 
Like, I don't know what a chutney is. It's a sauce. It's like a choppy, choppy PC sauce. It's like, it will be like, it looks like applesauce with like pieces inside. But these are words that are like, you read these words because you like cookbooks and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know these words. So now I'm telling you. Okay, chutney. And they have something called Indian cucumber quote unquote yogurt dip because I think it's parv. Right. Um, Mm. I think it's called raita. That sounds really good. My mom would love it, but for me, no thanks. Yeah, but you put that on a latke. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That does sound good, maybe. And then they have something called chipotle. Wait a minute, that's not a latke. That's a gyro. Okay, you put you put a meat. You're you're saying meat a meat latke. You're just hiding the fact that this is actually a Greek thing. Oh my gosh! This is this is just this is disgusting. No, it's not a Greek one. It's an Indian one. You're just hiding it. No, I know what a gyro is. How could you accuse Chaim at Prohibition Pickle? Of of Greco-ness. Ami- he is trying to bring all the flavors, all the neat soap soap from around the world and put them into the latke so that you <sighs> will fully lakdish the latke. That's beautiful, Malka. That is really, really beautiful. You're right. I didn't think of that and and I, I repent. And what you're actually it's not doing Greek, although that is interesting. Yeah. It's, like can you use feta Malka, cheese? You give on me Hanukkah? any word. Give me any word. Any word. Okay. <laughs> And I'll tell you. Yeah. Like, okay. like, Yiro, like, Yapchik, okay? All right. That's really good stuff. Uh, we also have a lot of other friends that make this show so happy and so strong. Um, first thing, of course, we just mentioned Jay Brick. And it's great stuff. You should definitely check out Jay Brick. And Prohibition Pickle. And ProhibitionPickle.co.il. I also want to mention our good friends at Retro Watch Guy, which is awesome. Uh, watches from the 60s and 70s classic watches mostly men's watches that are like just cool and a great add-on to your life you put on one of those watches right now i'm wearing look maka i'm wearing my yeah Tissot, it's okay? looking really good which, yeah your your regular watch battery yes my regular watch uh, has worn out so which, now you're wearing your shabbos watch that's right and and this watch does not need no battery because it's automatic which is a beautiful invention which basically means the movement of your of your body winds it and that's really fun yes we asked a rabbi about how to properly wear such a watch on shabbat correct correct good it was a good question that we gave uh, today i want to talk about this beautiful malka take a look at this i have a soft spot for omegas because that's my nice. my parents used to like omega watches and my both my dad and, and mom had omega watches and this is a groovy omega seamaster cosmic circa 1969 uh it's beautiful and it's a manual uh winder Right, look at that. It's a beautiful, it's a, just a beautiful, uh, beautiful, uh, well-manned. Uh, Malka, you know what? Give me a description for this, Malka. Give me a description. Uh, shiny. It looks like someone from NASA would wear it. Yep. So it looks like the moon a little bit, right? Silver I face. No. No. I don't know that I would have compared it to the moon. I just think it's a, I think it's a beautiful, like old school. It looks kind of like a 60s or 70s watch. And it's really fun to wear 60s or 70s watches. It's definitely a style thing. And, and yesterday I was wearing my Tissot at the Knesset, and it was just like really fun. And it's just like it's just like people are like, oh, okay, like look at this guy's styling, you know. And it's fun for Shabbos, uh, fun for your son-in-law, uh, fun for uh, for a special occasion or with the tuxedo that you have to wear or whatever it is. Um, it's just a great way to. Yeah, it's a conversation piece. Yeah, nobody, nobody. 
has asked me about it, but I see people being like, hmm, nice. Hmm, cool nice. watch that's there. Cool. That's cool, dude. He's he's sporting a cool watch there. You know, and we we men folk, we don't have so many things like that little we, accessories. Accessories. So it's fun to have a, to have a watch that's cool and fun and comes from like a history thing. It's like a 50-year-old watch, but it's working like it is today. It's like having a cool, you know, it's having a uh, like a really cool vintage car, but right. for a lot less a lot, money. A lot less, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and a little bit more practical uh, because you still have to drive your family around. But this <laughs> is uh, this is a fun way. So it's retrowatchguy.com. Really fun, great family, great folks, and it's a family business of good folks that uh, love the land of Israel and uh, love Judaism. So check out retrowatchguy.com and, of course, coupon code Yishai, bang, and you get, uh, a, I think it's 10% off, whatever it is, it's a great percentage point to to buy an awesome watch. And the one that I like, this Omega watch, is, is you know, it's it's not cheap. It's like $1,000, but it's worth it. Uh, but there's many, many different kinds uh, out there. They have different price points. Oh, here's a cool one. Uh, which is like, I like square watches. I was at the Knesset yesterday and me and this guy started talking just about, uh, he was wearing a square belt. He had like a cool square belt. Like a belt buckle? Yeah, belt buckle. And I'm like, I like that buckle. He's like, it's from Kenneth Cole. And we, <laughs> <laughs> he sent me the link. <laughs> I don't know, guys talk. He sent you the link? Yeah, he's a really That's cool nice guy. Of him. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. We, we, we were, we it's were. It's like a person who like, you eat something that they made and it's so good. And then they're like, I will send you the recipe right after this. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. So check out Retro Watch Guy. Really great stuff. I still really like, I think, I personally, if I was right now, in the market, I really like the Seiko that's for five hundred less than $500 right now, and it is an awesome Seiko. I talked about it a few weeks ago. It's a dive watch. It's really cool uh, and, you know, Japanese and old school. It's from 1968. It's a beauty. Look at this one, Malka. Yeah? All right. There you go. That's it's awesome. pretty. So we also have that. We also have the folks at JewishPress.com that do a great job putting out the news every day. And if you go to uh, JewishPress.com, uh, they put out a story about me meeting with uh, bringing um, uh, Thomas Friedman to Hebron. That was a story on JewishPress.com right. recently. Uh, I had, um, let's see, what else? There was a few other stories that were covered about stuff that I got to do recently. I'm having a lot of fun out there. Uh, yeah, including sure. Well, yesterday, I wouldn't call it fun, but we had an event yesterday, a significant event, Ishai. Well, we had first uh, my dad's Yortzeit, yep. his day of passing, his right. Hilula, which is a which is the Israeli version of Yortzeit, which is a lot more fun. Hilula means the party, the uh, and and the the celebration of my father's life. It was twenty years. Wow! So this week's show is dedicated to Alexander Ben Benjamin, who celebrated twenty years of being in the next world uh, yesterday, and uh, we had uh, a wonderful time telling stories, uh, having lechaims, uh, saying the religious. Uh, uh, Parts of the of the ceremony and remembering, you know, the 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 the, the person who, who gave, uh, um, you know, me and my sister and brother life and uh, um, and started us off on on this on this cha- on this trail and challenge and adventure called called life, uh, and and uh, had a, had a wonderful and a, a very amazing life himself, and and with wonderful abilities, and so we celebrated him yesterday, and from there I went to the Knesset, uh, and. Um, and got the chance to translate for Itamar Benkvir as he spoke for the first time to foreign press uh, in a big event wow. hosted by the GPO, the government press office. So that was pretty exciting as well. I'm going to play that uh, audio on the program today. Well, great. That's right, Malka. Uh, so that's it, Malka. We have uh, we have a lot of uh, preparations now to do for vacation down uh, in uh, in in the south of Israel and getting to relax a tons little bit. Tons of yeah, relax. Tons and tons and tons of packing. Yeah. Entertaining the kids. Right. Sleeping on the ground. Right. 
and then coming home. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. It sounds like <laughs> yeah, a dream. Yeah, yeah, Baruch Hashem. Yeah, it sounds no, like it's a dream. really amazing. We love it, and it's a wonderful opportunity to get some fresh air in every sense of the word. We got to get firewood. I remember I got I oh. to tell, tell our friend to borrow right, to, to get, get some firewood. firewood. That's right. call. We got to get firewood. Uh, that's about it, Malka. There's also tons of other news, but eh, forget about it. It's not important. <laughs> <laughs> you know, coalition news, battles over, uh, um, um, you know, the powers of the uh, incoming. Uh, minister of of national security uh, and other battles around the world. Um, there's there's definitely a lot of a lot going on out there. But I do think that it's a for me personally, Hanukkah is a time to 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 detach a little bit, to to unwind a little bit, to connect with with the land and spiritual things. Uh, and I hope you use use Hanukkah and don't just work through Hanukkah the whole time. Try no, no, to no. try to really enjoy it and certainly spend time looking at those candles and and uh, and thinking about history and thinking about Hashem's providence through history. I think that's really important. Anything right. else, Malka? Okay. No, that's it. I just want everyone to have the nicest holiday. Um, and we have to decorate the house. I forgot. That's right. So I have to decorate the house. I have to buy the stuff for the trip. You have to do a lot of work for your vacation. Yeah. But it's great. It's such a blessing, you know. It's such a blessing that we have uh, to be here in the land of Israel for the holidays. And Hanukkah, the end of Hanukkah is the end kind of of my favorite part of the year. That's I love right. the whole year and the year is wonderful. But my favorite part of the year is from Elul, from Rosh Chodesh Elul until the end of Hanukkah. It's funny you say that because some people say that the end of some of the opinions are the end of the Chuva season is Hanukkah. And then it starts right back up again. So right, don't worry but, about but it. just so you know, like that is a framework of time. Uh, that's interesting. Right. You're right. So that's my favorite. That's my favorite time of the uh, year, and uh, so it's uh, it's a sweet time, but it's a little bit bittersweet. That's Hanukkah. Hanukkah's yeah. bittersweet. You know, you know that 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 Hillel is the one that had the opinion that you light Rabbi one Hillel. candle, Rabbi Hillel, that you light one candle and you go up to eight. But Shammai had an opinion that you start with eight and you go down to one. And I always liked that opinion. I always like like you start big, but then it comes down to one one it little, one little candle. Like there's something so true about that. There's such a, and I like to think about that when we light the well, candles. Well, you see that the rabbis brought down that discussion because it was a beautiful thought, right? And there's something there's something like it's like it's like a countdown five four three two one one, and then it's just one. It's just one. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Shout my opinion, and you know, I wish we had some way to like a little bit honor that. Uh, in any case, Maka, thank you very much. Next up, we have we still the show goes on. We have the audio from uh, Itamar Benkvir speaking to the GPO's uh, big uh, conference of uh, foreign media, uh, and we also have an hour long with the the triumphant return of of Rav Mike Foyer uh, to the show. So we have a lot to talk about here on the Yishai Fleischer Show. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. The Israel Podcast will be right back. Thank you very much to Ben Bresky, Yocheved, Moshe Herman, Tabitha, and Lou uh, for helping us on the show and getting it out to the world. You guys are the best. And thank you to all our supporters as well. Uh, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai and that helps the podcast keep going, be broadcast like the light of Hanukkah. So we'll be right back and shalom. All right, folks, that was really fun to talk with Malka. And now let's hear the appearance of Itamar Benvir, Knesset member Itamar Benvir, uh, at the GPO's, Government Press Office's uh, Foreign Media uh, Summit in the Knesset, in, in Jerusalem, and specifically in the Knesset, where Itamar Benvir spoke with him and I translated. So let's take a listen. In Hebrew, we translate it as a Jewish slang. He has gained interest and great popularity in Israel and 
on a personal note, I know this gentleman since 1994 when I cover his action as a journalist on the hills of Judea and Samaria. One thing I can say for sure, okay, we are all journalists in this room. The camera sure love him, loves him. And uh, you can see it, on, on, you will de decide on yourself. The international media, since the last election in Israel, beginning of November, actually love to hear what does he have to say in terms of what's going on now in the Middle East uh, conflict with the Palestinians. So, and it, this is actually the first time that you are actually uh, performing uh, properly in front of the foreign media in Israel. And uh, as I said to you, most of the foreign media that come to Israel want an interview with MK Itamar Benri. So it's an honor to uh, ask you to come and to hear what you have to say, please. Shalom, shalom. שלום אביבי. מצטער שהאנגלית שלי לא ברמה של לדבר ברציפות ולכן אני אדבר בעברית ואתרגם אותי כאן. ואני באתי להגיד לכם מה אנחנו בעצם רוצים לעשות כאן. ועל מה אני נלחם במדינה שלנו. משום שיש לנו אויב, לכולנו אויב משותף. וזה הג'יהאד. זה אלה שרוצים להפוך את כל העולם למשטר של חליפות. אלה שחושבים שמי שהוא לא מוסלמי, אין לו זכות קיום כאן. אלה שפוצצו את מגדלי התאומים. אלה שנלחמים, נלחמים באנושות. המצב שלנו במדינת ישראל הוא מצב שבו אנחנו לאורך כל השנים מתגוננים מאותם אלה. אני אוהב את המדינה שלנו. אני אוהב את הארץ שלנו. אני את ניצן, כמו שהוא הזכיר, מכיר כשהייתי נער. I know Nitzan Haritz from when I was a young man. Mehaz gam shiniti signon. Mishan shiniti signon, mishan... But since then I've changed a little bit. But one thing I haven't changed about. My love to the people of Israel. And the whole, the whole world, all the world's people. I want to be... השר לביטחון פנים במדינת ישראל. ולדאוג לכולם. לדאוג לדתיים וחילונים. לדאוג ליהודים וערבים. לדאוג לכל הילדים שלנו שיוכלו ללכת בטוח ברחוב. To take care of all of our children so that they can walk on the streets in safety. Because today in Israel it is hard to walk in the streets, it's scary. In the south, people strike and, and, and abuse women because they are Jewish. Pay protection money to businesses. Hurt people. בצפון יש פשיעה לאומנית, טרור חקלאי. In the north we have uh, other kinds of terror including farm terror, taking of uh, farmlands and, and, and uh, bullying of uh, farmers. 
In Jerusalem, there are, there are places from which Jews are afraid to go to the Western Wall. And in the center, people do not feel confident. I want to return the control to the nation of Israel. This is our land. This is our home. From the time that Abraham, our forefather, walked here in the fields. I live in Hebron. This is the city where the forefathers and mothers are buried, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob and Leah. And when we walk there, we feel the history of thousands of years, and we're so proud to be there. Throughout all of history, uh, Jewish people have been persecuted. From Pharaoh, Aman, to Haman, and to the history that, not, that is not so long ago, to Hitler, may, may his name be erased. And we have fought in order to continue to survive. To continue to build here a Jewish state, our home. And to walk proudly in our land. I want to say one thing to you, which is those that want to hurt us, they also want to hurt you. It might be that they want to start with us, the Jewish nation. But God forbid you are next afterwards. And all those who don't agree with us, that's what they want to strike at. I'm, from one, I'm one of those people who believes that we should not... Uh, surrender to them. We should not fold before them. Sadly, a lot of times pressure is put on us. So that we surrender, we, we, we fold. That we should retreat. But uh, past the historical experiences, that every time that we surrender, we only get more terror. There are many such examples like the one of the 2005 disengagement where we left the Gaza Strip and we gave that land over uh, and then in the end we just got uh, the missiles onto Be'er Sheva and Ashdod. Including the uh, horrific Oslo experience, which we brought Arafat to rule in this land, we gave them weapons. And with these weapons that we handed them, 2,000 Jews were murdered. Uh, our long history proves that with terror, the way to talk with terror is not with surrender language. You fight terror. You defeat terror. And that's what I came to do. It's important for me to say 
It is important for me to say that, God forbid, please do not misunderstand me, I am not suggesting that all Arabs are terrorists. There are many Arabs here that want to live in peace and in, in, in uh, coexistence. And I'm fighting also for them, so that their children can play and walk in the streets in safety. But I'm fighting also for you. The, the whole world that believes in democracy, that believes in uh, human rights, that believes that every nation has a right to live and to be free on their nation and their land. We have returned to our home after so many years of diaspora of exile. We want to And we want to do what our forefathers and our, and our parents' parents did uh, that's written in the Bible that we've done for thousands of years. Knesset member Itamar Ben-Gvir and soon to be a minister is in the midst right now of a uh, session debating a law that's very important to him which is the strength uh, of the Minister of Internal Security, of National Security, and he's in the middle of that right now, but he's uh, allowing for, he says he works very hard for our safety and security, but he is allowing for one or two questions. Okay, so member of the press bank, two weeks from now, is going to be the National Security Minister. Yes, David Parsons, I'm with the International Christian Embassy here in Jerusalem. We thank you for coming in and uh, addressing us today. These are Christians from all over the world, but there are some of us who live here. And uh, we have a rule that we don't interfere with Israeli democracy. We will go out and, and defend Israel, support Israel, respect Israeli democracy, tell others to do that. And I think, uh, but you know, you still get a little uh, emotionally attached to everything here. and. When uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, it looks like he's going to return to power now. There was a lot of fist bumping and toasting and all. But there's also genuine concerns uh, about uh, your party and you in particular because you do have a history of a photo of Baruch Goldstein on your wall of defending someone who burned a church in the, the Galilee, defending uh, Jews who were charged with terrorism against Arabs. I'm a lawyer too. I know you've got to provide legal services to everyone, but I also have friends and colleagues who saw you show up at a protest against the Kehillah congregation here in Jerusalem and join the incitement of those who were going to attend a Shabbat service and it put everyone in fear including uh, the children but I've consulted, we've consulted with our long time Israeli friends like Josh and Nitzan and all and everyone says you've changed uh, and so what can you say here to assure us that you're going to work within this government to uh, work for democratic rights 
uh, minority rights. You, you mentioned some of this, but especially for religious freedom. Let's make order of things. You, you spoke of uh, cases that I represented as a lawyer. As a lawyer, I have to represent all kinds of cases. Especially since I thought that the, those people were innocent and not what was claimed against them. I don't believe in burning churches. I don't believe in hurting people. And, and these things did not take place from that person. When I was a young man, I believed that we should kick out all the Arabs from this land. And I thought that everybody was the same thing and we have to get them out of here. I was 17 then. Today I'm 46 years old. I have six children. I learned law. I opened a successful law practice. I became a Knesset member. I believe that things that you believed when you were 17 years old, you may not believe anymore, and that's the nature of this world to change. Uh, Some uh, things. If anybody knows me, they know what, what do I really care about? I really care about that the citizenry of Israel, all citizens, can walk in this land in safety. And another thing is important to me. We have, we have such a long, we're a nation with such a long history. I walk in this land and I walk in the footpaths uh, of uh, Joshua. Uh, King David and Joshua, uh, these great people, and, and Joshua, who we, who we walked, who walked this land, and I'm walking in their footsteps. I feel that we have a we have a, a mission here. It says in our books that we're supposed to be a light unto the nations. I want us to be a light unto the nations. And indeed we are such a light. We're the, we're the only democracy in this Middle East. Uh, in Syria they kill people on left right. There's no, there's no democracy in our region, there's no, but he means by that no, no liberal rights, no basic rights for people. Here we do democracy and rights. There are many folks that attack us, so it's important for me. Remember that uh, we are fighting for democracy and there are those who want to get rid of it and are fighting against it. Thank you. I, I'll let you know my, my doctor voted for you, my barber voted for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are right. 
Hi, I'm Felicia Ferreira from Sweden, Swedish daily newspaper, Dagen. Um, so nice to listen to all of you here. Um, when you look back in a few years, what will, will be your biggest accomplishment by then? What will Israel look like in, say, five to ten years? אני רואה אותנו יכולים לגדול, לפרוח, ולהיות את החזון של הנביאים שלנו. כתוב, הנביאים שלנו כותבים על האור הזה שיצא מכאן, על האהבה הגדולה לכולם. עכשיו, אבל יש קשיים. משום שאנחנו היום במדינת ישראל מותקפים. יש לנו טרוריסטים בתוך המדינה. יש לנו מדינות שכנות שחלקן עדיין חולמות להשמיד אותנו. יש לנו ארגונים כמו החמאס או החיזבאללה. We have, uh, you know, organizations like Hamas and Hezbollah on our borders. And they're just waiting to destroy us and to strike us. Of course, you've heard of the Iranian threat. And, and they are in the midst of this uh, nuclear effort, and that's not just dangerous for us, but for the whole world. I think that our fight with uh, these elements is also your fight. When I fight Hezbollah and Hamas, and I want to fight Hezbollah and Hamas, נלחמים גם בשם כל אחד בעולם שרוצה לחיות בעולם טוב יותר במדינה דמוקרטית. כי חשוב לי להגיד משהו אחד, היום אמרתי את זה כבר, אבל אני אחזור על זה כי זה הדגש שלי כאן, היום זה אנחנו. אבל אני רואה מה קורה באירופה, מחר זה יכול לקרות כאן באירופה. ומחרתיים בארצות הברית ובכל מקום בעולם. I'm watching what's going on in the world and I see that this could happen in Europe and it could happen in the United States, it could happen in any place in the world. So, I, so he feels that this fight is for others as well. אנחנו נלחמים את מלחמתו של העולם החופשי. We are fighting the battle of the free world. העולם הדמוקרטי. The democratic world. העולם שרוצה שאנשים יסתובבו ויגורו ויחיו. A world that wants safety and for people to be able to walk around freely and to live. And that they can grow children and raise children in safety. I believe in peace with the Arabs. Peace of cooperation and not a peace of surrender. אני מאמין שזה אפשרי. אבל אנחנו נהיה חייבים לעשות דבר אחד לפני. להילחם בטרור. בשבילך, בשבילו, בשביל כולם. I think that we can give you a passing grade with flying colors because Mr. Parsons asked you a very difficult question and you answered it straight on. 
Will you commit to a continued dialogue with us, those who have been invited by the government of Israel from 50 countries around the world in years to come, next year, in the following year, even when you are very important? And <laughs> <laughs> now you have time, but maybe next year you will not. And we want the Shana Babi Rushalayim. Other call. As I told us, it's this man. I need him to ask this guy to stay. First of all, you said that I have time. You should ask my wife. I told her I'm coming back. I told her that I'm coming back on Friday. This is Friday afternoon. It's going to be Shabbat. Right. I'm I'm in Knesset till Friday afternoon. I only help her by tasting the food. That's my only assistance that I give her. My wife is a hero. אבל בוודאי, אני איש של דיאלוג, אני איש של שיחה, אני, אני משוחח עם כל מי שרוצה. כמובן, 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 מדברים איתי גם על זה שערבים, ראשי רשויות וכל מיני רוצים לשוחח איתי, אני אומר, אני אשוחח עם כולם. רק עם אלה שלא, שתומכים בטרור, איתם אני לא משוחח. Uh, and a lot of Arab mayors are calling to me and asking to meet with me, uh, and, and from the Arab world in general. But I will only speak to those who reject terrorism outright. I will not speak to those who embrace terrorism. All right, folks, that was Itamar Ben-Gvir, and I'd love to hear what you think about that. So write me an email, yishai at yishaifleischer.com. Let me know what you think about that and uh, how, you know, what impressions you got. And in general, love to hear from you, and thank you so much for being uh, on, on my team and interested in what uh, we got to say out here in the land of Israel. You are beautiful, and we are so thankful. I'm so thankful to have you in my life. Next up is somebody I'm very thankful to have in my life, and that's Rav Mike Foyer. Rav Mike joined me on a Facebook Live, and uh, we had all kinds of folks uh, chatting with us from all over the world, and it was fun to have Rav Mike back on the show. So here we go. Without further ado, Rav Mike Foyer joins me on the Shai Fleischer Show Israel Podcast. All right, and we are live here on the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting to the world from Judea, uh, and we're doing it via uh, the uh, awesome power uh, of the internet right now, and I am very glad and thankful to have Rabbi Mike Foy, Rav Mike, back on the show with us. Rav Mike, shalom and welcome. It's been so long that you've forgotten my name, apparently. Well, it's no, very good kidding. to have you back, and I'm very excited to have you here on the show uh, and uh, let's hope both of you, you, you and I both are uh, doing our internet best to uh, to communicate, uh, and I'm excited, and uh, we'll just have to hope that the light of Israel will overcome all the challenges of the wires and the wireless out there. Oh, uh, Rav Mike, um, I've, had a, I've had a very long day today already. Uh, today was the 20th of Cheshvan, and that means it was my father's yurt site. So that means his day of passing. And this year was the 20th. And I know that you also have a coming up day of passing of your father. Uh, and also 20th. Is that correct? No, it's going to be 23rd. Right? Actually. No. 20, 20, 23rd. Okay. 23rd. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. So that's a, that's a lot of years. And, um, and so I started the day with gathering uh, a lot of friends and family to uh, the, Mount of Resting, Har Menuchot, uh, here in Jerusalem. And we had a great event for my dad's uh, yurt site. And uh, we did the the Psalms. We did the Kelmalei Rechamim prayer. And then we told stories. 
And when we finished telling stories, we went over to the cars and we took out lots of yummy salads and fun things that my mom and my wife and friends of the family, the, fam- the rest of the family and my sister and my, my sister-in-law made. And then we took out one bottle of whiskey and one bottle of vodka. And we had a real good old time of uh, doing it. Uh, doing. I have to say, I, I learned if I learned anything from the Irish, it's to do a little bit of a wake when it comes to uh, when it comes to a yurt site. And well, that uh, sounds more like we do it. Sounds more like a tailgate party than a wake. Yeah, it's like it's like a tailgate party. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a cemetery tailgate party. Uh, and and but but this year this year was the twentieth. You know, I gave a big talk about uh, last night. It came to me what I would talk about every year. I pick a theme. And this year I talked about, talked about dichotomies in my dad's personality and uh, my father's personality, which was really fun, you know, uh, from him. Like, well, I gave an example that on the one hand, he always reread and read a certain book. He had a certain Russian book that would read over and over again. So he was like really very locked into this book. But on the other hand, he had, he had a tremendous breadth of knowledge in Tanakh uh, and just knew all the texts of the Tanakh and would quiz me on it. I would fail. Uh, and he just just knew well. So that was just an example of on the one hand, he like kind of had a provincial like lock into a certain book that he kind of gave him like, you know, uh, you know, Nachas, you know, what's that called in English? Like he gave him um, pleasure it, to read that book. Over over again. Did, yeah. Right. But but on the other hand, he had other uh, great breaths of knowledge, uh, other, other things like that. Uh, but it was really fun. And, and that was special. Then I went to the Knesset. And uh, this has been weeks in the making. The GPO, the government press office, had uh, a, a summit for foreign religious press. What does that mean? And foreign in that religious summit, press. yes, foreign uh, observant religious press, as, as I, i.e., Christian, etc., etc., but other religions as well. And they were in a four-day summit for the GPO government press office, and they really asked me to help them uh, hear from Itamar Ben-Gvir. And uh, I have been organizing this for weeks and weeks. Uh, and this included <laughs> included many layers. Um, and then finally, on the day of, uh, Kessler member Ben-Gvir was stuck inside of a committee meeting of a great import of a topic that's very close to him, which is uh, broadening the responsibilities and the powers of the minister of, of public security, or now we call it national security. And so this was his law that he had brought up and, and his basically a committee that was very important to him. And to pull him out of that committee was hard. Mm-hmm. And so I'd pretty much given up hope. And the GPO was pressuring me and everybody was pressuring me. And there was 150 of these journalists but finally, he came uh, to uh, the to the to that plenum, to that uh, the the Jerusalem room conference room, and uh, he let him have it. He really, I, he, I mean, to say he belted it out, and people were just ecstatic and found him to be charismatic. And yours truly did the simultaneous translation for it, so it was really a lot of fun. But a little bit of a pressury day. Then I went into that committee and I listened to some of the. Uh, uh, I happened to hear like three or four speakers who were against. Uh, the, the law that he, that Itamar Ben-Gvir is pushing. In any case, it was quite an exciting day. Then I got home, ate a little soup, and got on the show with you. So it's been a very long uh, and exciting day. So thank you very much for uh, joining me. What about you? Are you having some exciting times out there? Uh, you know, I'm just trying to, to stay in the daily grind. I mean, I, I feel like we, we had the holidays, and then I had my son's bar mitzvah, and then 
Like I, I hadn't had any stretch of real focus for quite some time. So I, I've been productive on a project that you and I are working on, uh, trying to keep up with the counseling. I had a couple clients today. You know, I, I feel like my whole day was bound up with story, which is not unusual for me. You know, in, in various ways, in the personal, on the national, on the professional level, it was a good day. It's a good day. I know that you do a lot of work also through spiritual for spiritual counseling. Uh, and I happen to know uh, a bunch of people who, who need that right now. And uh, you said something to me the other day, which I think was very powerful to me. Uh, you said it to me off the cuff. Uh, but you said to me that a lot of people do so much pain and damage, so much hurt and damage to one another in marital situations. Um, and um, I guess I guess because I know some people right now going through stuff, I really... I, f- I felt that I felt that the, the you know how much how much pain we inflict on one another and um, what's the, what's your what's your basic I know what my basic advice is now but what's your what's your like if you if you had to give a catch all your basic advice uh, for the average uh, I mean aside from, seek, people. aside from seek help because it's important to always say that because there's still a tremendous stigma against seeking help in as complicated a thing as marriage, despite the fact of the old cliche that if your car broke down or God forbid your child was sick, you'd go to the expert to help you fix the situation. But somehow when people are struggling within marriage, when the most really, when I say that the amount of pain that people can cause within marriage, a lot of it has to do because it's the most personal side of life and it's not intentional. It's not always malice that happens too, God forbid, but it's just, it's just simply what happens when we feel vulnerable and threatened and frightened and sad and et cetera. So I would say the the number one piece of advice I would give is take a deep breath and notice whether you're being the person that you actually want to be right now. Mm-hmm. Instead of focusing on the other person, take a deep breath and ask yourself, is this the person I really want to be? And before you start deciding whose fault that is or what, just ask that simple question. If the answer is no, then you start to take responsibility for changing things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quite, I, I know exactly what you mean, and I think what you're talking about. If I would bring it down to like real examples, probably like if you're yelling at your kids or your spouse, like is that the person that you want to be? Uh, yeah. And if you're short with somebody, it, like because you came home and you're tired, but you've given everybody else a cheery face, are you going to give your family a cheery face? I think I know that happens to me sometimes. I'm like cheery face, cheery face, nice, nice, nice. And I come home and I'm so exhausted <sighs> that I'm already out of yeah, I'm out of steam <sighs> for 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 my own family. That's of course a big mistake. Um, um, also, people are lonely. People get sad. People struggle to communicate. And it's not always this sort of outward, uh, like you know, angry, sharp edges. Sometimes there's a very inward um, gap between who we are and who we want to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think on the positive side, one of the things that I I, I want to tell everybody out there is like, try to really appreciate your spouse. See that your spouse is like working hard. To, to keep you happy and well and and like be just like so appreciative and i guess for me i guess i use a very low i would guess it's i would say it's a kind of very low grade easy way to get myself back on track is i just i just look at the hardships of people in all kinds of situations you know, I just had a friend of mine, his brother just died from, 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 from cancer in two months after finding out, and he's a young man and has young children. And just like, I'm just like, if you just take a look for a second about what the not so impossible worst case scenario could be, uh, and, and just be like, wow, like, I should be so thankful for every minute of my life and every minute I get to spend with this family, 
with this with these people with these good people who love me who I love back and I don't want to I don't want to like record anything negative I want to like really you know enjoy this while 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 this beautiful time is here and and just not miss 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 a second of it and and certainly not not spoil it by by pouring even a tiniest bit of poison into it yeah ga- gaining and maintaining that perspective is very important I think what you're saying and whether it's the sort of extreme sense of mortality that you're speaking about, or just the small sense of like, you know, wow, you know, like I, I feel like I'm a bad parent, but my kids all eat three meals today. They're wearing decent clothes. They got a roof over their heads and they went to school this morning. Those are enormous victories. And, and, and we're much quicker to punish ourselves for our failures than we are to celebrate our victories. You know, the, the, the other thing I would add to that is, is always look for the places where you can gain and maintain agency. A lot of the times we feel helpless. In a relationship, Gain and maintain what? Agency. Agency. Mm-hmm. What is it I can do? You know, if I want more love in my life, I can give and do things to my spouse. It's a secret that people don't realize. We don't feel love toward others when they do for us. We feel the deepest love toward others when we do for them. If you mm-hmm. want to feel more love in your life, go out of your way to do things for the people for whom you want to feel that love. You know, so there's all kinds of methods, but the number one thing is is that just realize you have way more agency than you realize in your life, and and you avoid the type of thinking and the behavior patterns that that rob you of the ability to act and the belief that your actions are sort of, you know, uh, are effective. But I mean, Amen. we can go on forever on this one. <laughs> I'll start no, charging it's, it's, at the it's half it's hour. Important. Yeah, that's right. It's important. It's important for for all of us and. Uh, and uh, here on the Ishai Fleischer Show, we like to provide a little bit of of comfort and and and, and advice to get out there. Listen, because of the because, scary world out there, man. Yeah, and and if people if there's more happy marriages, more happy families, the world just has a better energy out there, and uh, and there's more kids growing up in a good way, and then and then there's more kids who know how to do it better in the next generation, and the world becomes a better place. This, uh, Moshe way, Herman. That, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, this is one of the things that we often miss, which is so crucial about um, the depth of commitment to Torah that that can really gel a community together. right? It's trite to talk about family values today, but but it, it, nonetheless, it, it, we have to appreciate the fact that the family has always been the building block of human culture, of society, uh, holds the context for the psycho-emotional development that produces the types of people who are empowered to build a future we actually want to live in. Therefore, the number one thing you can invest in is in your own family. It's actually a big challenge for a lot of professional men who feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing big things. I'm, I'm trying to make real changes. And, and that may be true, maybe absolutely true. But sometimes it, there's a, um, an illusion that what happens at home is not as important. Whereas, you know, and even by the way, we say, oh, but it's on such a small scale. You never know. Because your family is the sort of um, blessing that you cast forward into the future. Right, the more that you put into it, generations down the line. I mean, just think, you know, we've been in, we're getting toward the end of the book of Sheet. It's basically a, a book on uh, on the struggles to be a functional family. If I wanted to be kind, um, right? And, and and here we are, literally millennia later, learning from and growing from in the millions. It, just the Jews, we start adding Christians and Muslims, the other Abrahamic faiths, billions of people. And it puts the power of a family in a different light. Yeah, and and it's it's it, one one way that we could tie in the two things that I wanted to talk about today, which is the Torah portion and Hanukkah, is really family. 
Because Hanukkah is also very much a family story. It's a family story. But before we get to that, let's just say hi to all the friends that are out there. First, my man Moshe says, sup, bro? And I say right back to you, shalom, my brother Moshe, who gets out the show to the world and says, thank you very much. We have Lou, who is helping us produce the show. He says, shalom, Yishai and Rav Mike. He says, looking and sounding great. Thank you very much. We're overcoming our connectivity issues. Somewhat. And then we get cordial saludo desde Cartagena, Colombia, which I think it means a cordial salute from the great state Greetings. of Colombia. Yeah, yes, that's what it's, exactly. So that's that, right. that makes me feel good. That's good. I, I, Colombia is great. And hello to and I just want to say hello to Colombia and uh, to the good people of uh, South America. I have never been to South America. I have been as far as Cabo San Lucas, but I've never been any farther down there. In that great continent. So now they're back. Maybe, maybe one day. Uh, Don Alvarado says, In marriages, we have to pray every time you get mad at your partner because you need the patience to understand them. You get mad because they don't understand you, but you also have to understand them first. It's very uh, good. Very good advice. I agree, Don. Pr- prayer is an enormous tool for putting that space between emotion and action that opens up possibilities other than just simply being reactive. I agree. Good. And uh, Sharad says, love from India. Woo! Right back at you. There's a big country. Speaking of a billion people, right there. Just India. Wow. God bless him. That's powerful. I I wonder what it feels like to be an Indian. I I, I guess I – many times I've given speeches and I talk about stuff. And and, and I've given – I remember I once gave a speech to SIPA, which is – you know, Columbia's International School of Politics, yeah. and, and a lot of them are on the uh, left side of the political map. No. And the whole room was like this. They were like this. No. They were just nodding. No. That's not, not, not. They were, what's that called? This this motion is called a what? Shaking your head. Shaking. Shaking your head. They were shaking their head. No. But then there was two guys in the back, and they were like, shake, they were nodding their head. Yes. And it was uh, two Indian fellows uh, there who understood the, the plight of Israel and just understood it better. So shalom and love to India from Israel. Uh, Nika says, "I hope my daddy. I ho- I would like my daddy to listen to some to topics like this. He needs to be reminded." Amen. Bless your father. <laughs> and um, and Kathy says, "Thank you, Yishai Fleischer, for sharing some intimate and special memories of your late father with pro-Israel page currently on the on the blink." We apparently have unknown squatters that have taken over Facebook profile page and, and ultimately the pro-Israel page. So folks are fighting uh, for, for space on the internet as well. So good luck with that, Kathy, and I hope you guys get back. And we have a shalom from the Philippines, from Nika. That's so cool. Never been to the Philippines. And we also have Dawn saying, watching from California, U.S. So what I really, the reason I love to read this, these things is because I find it so exciting to be able to talk to the world. You guys are the world. You are the children. <laughs> we, all right? we, are. we are the children. That's right. That's right. And, I saw and, it coming. Yeah. We're children of the 80s. There's nothing to be done. That's right. And that's no, but it just really is really fun to be able to talk to the world. And God bless you guys out there. And I, I, I feel that it is a fulfillment of, <coughs> excuse me, of biblical prophecy to be able to shine a light to the world. And that's that's being a light unto the nations from Israel. So that's really special. 
And thank you, all of you from all those nations for fulfilling that biblical prophecy of, of, of allowing yourself to see the light from Israel. And Baruch Hashem, blessed are you. Blessed you got you guys out there. And I and I bless all of the people who write to me all the time saying they're part of the international Torah community around the world. Uh, and I, I really do continue to bless you. Uh, and so does Rav Mike, I'm, I, I'm sure. Um, all right. Now, now, speaking of dysfunctional families, uh, we have here, gosh, you know, we have a Torah portion called Vayeshev, and it is uh, found. Oh, we got we got Kor says Shalom from he's watching from the Netherlands, so it's really big. That's really great. We have here uh, the we're in the book of Genesis, and in the book of Genesis we have chapter thirty-seven. We're dealing with the, that's it. We 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 dealt with Abraham. We dealt with Isaac, and we're dealing still with Jacob. But this is now Jacob's children. We're dealing with the 12 tribes. And it should be like a eureka moment. Like, yay, 12 tribes. <laughs> We're ready to rock. Let's go. We're Israel. Uh, but sadly, 12 tribes, uh, really from the inception that we meet them, are at each other's uh, throats, and they are fighting one another. And, uh, and even Joseph is... You know, in the first verses that we meet him, he's already speaking bad about his some of his brothers, and later brothers are jealous of him, and this causes strife. Then, on top of the strife that is already felt, there's the advent of the first set of dreams. Uh, I think that that the Joseph story has three sets of two dreams altogether. If you if you count Pharaoh's dreams, you count the the cook and the and the the butler. And you count Joseph's dreams, gotcha. right? Am I right here? Yes, yeah, so I yeah, like yeah. to. So we, before we jump to the dreams, before sure. we jump to the dreams, can I go back to what you said about the brothers? Yeah. Go for it. I just. Oh, did you lose him there? Can you hear me, okay? Yeah, I hear you good. Okay, because a little we're a little choppy in here. I don't, we're not entirely overcoming, but when when I heard you say there's sort of this ought to be a eureka moment. Oh, 12 tribes, we've arrived. But then it sort of leads to, you know, conflict and division, and not just conflict and division, but they literally beat their brother up and throw him in the pit. And like you pointed out, it seems like he a little bit deserved it, at least uh, on on the face of things, right? Not a simple story, fair, right? But I think it's crucial to remember that the tribes play a critical role in the Israelite mission in the world, because while we are the people of one, one God one Torah, one land, you know? It's one guy, one Torah, one land, 12 tribes. Why? Because within that unity is a recognition of the complexity of humanity. And therefore, it's the differences between the tribes which is crucial to maintain. Now, those differences in their raw form mean conflict because that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, I've got five kids and they're all very different and their differences are sometimes, you know, beautiful and uh, give the plentiful sense of diversity of thought and opinion within our family. But most of the times they're at each other's throats. But the right. real strength of a world that can give full expression to the divine will can't do it in unity. Only God can give expression to God in unity. We give expression to God through a united particularity. Right, this brother, that brother. There's a whole process of tikkunim of so the refinements and the fixings that have to happen here. We see the journey, but I think it's important to note that 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 the conflicts are essential, not incidental. 
They're part. They're a crucial part of the process because it's the distinctions and maintaining distinctions that makes Hebrew universalism unique. Okay, uh, but does it have to come through selling each other to slavery, or can it be through a nice discourse or a pool game or something like that? Does it? Does it have to be like? Are no, are you saying? Or are you I saying that things had to get flushed out? Things have to get sometimes, even if they're not pretty, you know. Like, like I mean, I mean, I think it's it's common belief that there's an excessiveness here. There's a mistake here. There's a sin that happens here that has to get rectified later yeah. on down the line. Yeah, but that's consistent with the entire Bible. Remember, the Bible's not pre presenting some ideal. It's not philosophy. It's not some Greek, you know, uh, you know, uh, drama which is meant to exemplify ideas. This is real life. And whether it had to be this way or not is a question that only God can answer. Humanity answers the question, this is the way it is. Look at look at our current return today. Well, if we're really the Jews, we're really the chosen people, this is really our land. Shouldn't we have just sort of come in and the whole world would have known it and we would have been able to hold our spiritual stature and straighten our backs after 2,000 years of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the reality is that's not how life works. Right. Life works through through repair, through hard work, through determination. And it's, by the way, real integrity is displayed by overcoming adversity and repeated failure. Not by some like, oh, I know who I am. I know what I need to do in a smooth process. Well, that's, a, that's a great point. I mean, I, th I think that's a really great point. And I think that's a point that I, 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 think, I think I'd like to stress that a little bit, what you're saying, because I get a lot of times in conversation with people who are fed up. I see that a lot of various kinds, by the yeah. way, there was, the, I, I don't mean to go into this topic, uh, but a lot of the Corona uh, COVID virus, the, the folks who kind of think that, you know, the government, you know, you know, played one on them and, and experimented on them and that kind of stuff. And, are very disappointed in the world. Uh, I had a few friends like that who are just like, they are just like, they've given up on the world and, and they're, and they're completely freaked out. They're freaked out. And it's the, sm the smarter, the more, the, f the harder they fall. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, 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 and I'm just like, you're not, maybe you're not wrong about anything, but like your attitude, you've actually become sick in your despondency and disappointment in the world, the 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 rabbit hole that you've gone down has really just just sucked you down, and you you can't come back up. And and I've seen that also in right wing people and left wing people and the different whatever it is. And and I just say to people like the and, and what I what I got from what you said is read the Joseph story. You could totally just be like, I don't want to deal with this book of horrors, you know, of this of these infighting. And the point of the book is, no, the story keeps going, and you that's overcome. Of, it's the point of Joseph's life, too. Right. That's meaning, what I'm understanding. It, it, but personally, meaning the point of the book in general, but him personally, there he is when his when Ashit Potifara, when like this beautiful seductress who has all kinds of power, could change his life forever, right? Says, come, lie with me. Do what Egyptians do. Nobody's going to criticize you unless... You be weak and get caught, but you know, together and all these promises, you know, what why not? Here he is, his own brothers beat him up and threw him in the pit. There's right. an argument to be made that maybe his father kind of knew this was coming and set him up. 
right? He's he's gone. Nobody's thinking about him. Nobody's looking for him. Why? Why not? But in the end of the day, he decides, and this is what I meant before about agency. He decides that's not who I am. Right. You know, and and in the same way that you, that your friends who who give in to that despair and go down the rabbit hole, or on the left or the right. I think the reason is because to maintain agency is frightening. There's something very comforting about going down the rabbit hole that this is being done to me and the world is out of control. And when the world's out of control, I can't actually try to take responsibility for controlling it or maybe even God forbid myself. And the burden of agency and freedom is lifted. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's, it, there's a truth in what you're saying. There's a truth in that. And, and on, on the flip side, there's also the type of people who are always saying like, Wow, only Messiah could fix this. Only Mashiach could fix this business. It's another abdication of agency. Right. It's like it's like you know, don't don't say that. You know, don't say that. That that's you you don't you you I'll just flush out what abdication of agency means. It just means I don't want to take care of it. I can't deal with it. It's too icky, it's too messy. I'm just walking away from it. Um Yep. I'm I myself show me to say what? He used to say that that if you're going to believe in Mashiach, you have to believe in Am Yisrael, because mm-hmm. you have to you believe that Am Yisrael has the ability to bring Mashiach. Yeah, it's belief in Mashiach is a belief in Am Yisrael. Because for me, one of the people that I learned that things can be bettered was an Italian. It wasn't a Jew. It was an Italian mayor of New York City named Rudy Giuliani. And when I lived in 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 in, uh, in New York City and and in close by, when I saw that that town that had like gone Gotham could be brought out of that and turned into this like safe and vibrant place. I was like, I remember I was a kid. I must've been like 14. I was just like, wow. I was just like, no, I wasn't, I was, I wasn't 14. I was 14 when I saw it bad. I guess I was 21 when I saw it, you know, turning good. And I was just like, I remember being, I'm telling you, Rev Mike, I remember being shocked. And I remember that I was like, wow, I now believe for the first time in the power of politics, in the power of leadership, in the power of, as Rabbi Nachman says, if you believe that things can be you know, wrecked and destroyed, believe that they can be bettered as well. Like, I did not believe that until I saw it with my own eyes. And I was like, wow. And I always wanted to write a letter to Rudy Giuliani and tell him, you know what, man? It took an Italian for me to, to, teach, start a, be- to teach a yeah. Jew. And to teach a Jew and to he's, teach me about Hanukkah. I think he's like, having a little he, bit of a hard time right now. He might appreciate the letter. Whatever, yeah, and, and whatever, whoever he is today, and I'm and I'm not getting into that. And that's that's no. that's 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 not the issue. You know, no, it's an important piece in what you're saying. Is that you're familiar with the broken window theory, which was sure. the, sort of so, the social theory that he that, that they say was driving his behavior. It's it, it is the most Jewish attitude you could ever have. It's the belief that small, repeated actions which reflect a commitment to values are the only basis for transformation in the world. You know, sort of like big visionary moves, meh, maybe yes, maybe no, right, but right. small, consistent actions, which are clearly expressive of my core values serve as a platform to change everything. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rav Mike, uh, we're coming up to Hanukkah next week. Uh, I want yeah, you to know so that, excited. um, there's a, there's a few holidays that like that like get me inside like that cause me to like just kind of like tear up and like to feel like these feelings and Hanukkah is one of them. I light those candles. I'm just like first thing 
Hanukkah is a type of political holiday, but the rabbis acquiesced to the Maccabees, you know, request that their victory would be remembered for generations. And so that, you know, I just like, it's all, if you study about it, if you study about the story of the Maccabees, the battles, it's all, it's all, it's all known. We know the battles. We know the battles that yeah, they yeah. fought. We know where, we know what, we know how. Uh, it's it's written out pretty well. It's written out in the book of Maccabees 1 and 2. It's written in Josephus and in other other uh, historical documents from back then. And um, the, the power of courage, and I guess the power of the opposite of despondency. I, I hope that my friends who are suffering from this from this despondent attitude will look closely at the Hanukkah lights and get inspired to just get back up and do and be part of action and be part of the time that God has given them the allotment to live in. And I'm going to sharpen that because it's always very important to me to ask the question, my Hanukkah, right? That's what the Gemara asks. Like, what is Hanukkah? It's a unique question. There is no other Jewish holiday. The sage is like, what exactly is this? What do you mean, what is this? Like, either it says so explicitly in the Torah or you're the sages. You tell me. Like, what are you, what are you asking for? You know, every year, the like, you know, as you mentioned, like yourself, my father, you also had uh, Hanukkah lights in your Shiva house, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. not only that, yeah, my, my father loved Hanukkah, and he had special little, uh, little, little like um, porcelain canisters of oil, little, these little jugs, and we lit them, and it was like a whole thing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah we yeah. had to light those. We had to light those yeah. days after he passed away. Certainly, yeah. It, it, like, what more powerful expression of the personal experience of light out of darkness could there really be? More mm. than Hanukkah candles in a shiva house, which is like, yeah, we're in darkness right now. But that doesn't in any way affect our belief in the light. Mm. You know, I may be in darkness. Fine, that's just real. You got to be real. You got to be where they're at. But that doesn't mean you give up on on your essential truth. So, so I give a a, a shira class every year. My father's member. I've been doing it for almost twenty years. Um, I actually sent you the link there if you want to you want to share it in the banner or something. If people want to come, the Zoom link. Where did you it's send on it? Thursday? I put it in the. There's a chat that you and I have. It's private. Um, okay. I, I, I don't know if you ever noticed that. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, it's on Thursday, 1 p.m. EDT or uh, 8 p.m. on uh, Israel time. But but my point is, is that the, the piece that I would stress to our friends, to everyone on Hanukkah, is what the Rambam says. You know what the Rambam says, what, the, what we're celebrating? He says, right? that, that, that Malchut, sovereignty, returned to Israel for more than two, 200 years. Now, here's the funny thing. If you count that up, from the time the Maccabees won in, let's call it 164, before the Common Era. And you get a little bit more, he thinks, up to the Korban. So it's literally like 230 years, but whatever. To call that Malchut Yisrael is a stretch. Mm -hmm. Herod is an interesting character. You and I have had some brief talks about Herod because of the work you're doing there in Hebron and the important role that he played in, you know, in the Mara. But but there's plenty of Rome in there. There's plenty of other things. It's hard to just call it Malchut Yisrael. But the Rambam meant what you just said. No, it's it's cultural sovereignty. Mm -hmm. It's sovereignty of consciousness. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's the recognition that in the end of the day, our our achievement as a people comes when the physical world manifests our spiritual sovereignty. But our real sovereign space is in the neshama, it's in the soul, because because that's the task that God sent us in the world to perfect, through the body, right? It's not, we're not some sort of leave the world in order to find your purpose type people, where, you know, the spear of the Maccabees can be reduced 
to you know the need for sovereignty over geography in order to fulfill theology. You got to hold but, the but spiritual it, high ground in order to do your job. Right, but it could go the other way as well, right? You could turn it into, and this is something I'm always wary of also, which you could spiritualize it totally and take away the embodied yeah. control over the land of Israel that, and push away foreign influences, et cetera. But that, that's why the spirit of the Maccabees is sovereignty over geography. Right is crucial for theology. I mean, you can't have the cultural sovereignty without, no, yes, in exile you can, and it's an inner state, et cetera, but you're, you're like a ghost. It's not real full sovereignty. Right. We're meant to act in the world. Right. So, so it's, it's, it's an exciting time. I, I just think that we live in a time where sovereignty is finally surfacing as what is appearing to more and more people, the only logical path ahead, however you conceive it, because I think there's I, still a diversity. <laughs> I was at a, I was at a, uh, committee meeting today in the Knesset and I'm like mm -hmm. wow this we have formed a complex apparatus the state apparatus is one and we're like a New Jersey sized country yeah like like okay you know what I mean like and I'm just like wow this is a complex apparatus this whole thing and it's got a lot of like moving let's call parts. it checks and balances but moving parts and different things and it's like and some big personalities in there. Yeah, big personalities, but also there's also already, you know, a lot of divisions of labor and there's a lot of money involved. The state has a lot of and there's, there's all kinds of there was a there was a judge in this in this uh committee meeting and a representative of the police and Knesset members yeah. and, and and NGOs oh, yeah. and these are real robust institutions. All kinds of stuff. Let's just say hi to some of the folks that are out there and are saying hi. First thing uh from Nepal. Uh, Raja Baha'i asks that we pray for him. He says he's diabetic, he's having some problems. So, so please pray for Raja, and we do. We do, Raja from Nepal. God bless you. Misham gives you strength. You that, that you have strength and healing. That's right. Uh, my good buddy Steve Eisenberg says, Shalom, joining late. Greetings and blessings from South Florida. I hope it's warm down there. Is, is Fort Lauderdale yeah. in South Florida? It is. It is. It is. My, my an, daughter's a, there, and I'm praying for her that she she should get some sun before she goes off the army in another week and a half. When she right. Comes home. I don't. There's no name. I, what is it called? The Bubby Belt. <laughs> the Bubby Belt. Oh my goodness. As as a guy who grew up in the Rust Belt, yeah, you know, the Bubby Belt sounds much more appealing. The Bubby Belt, but it's it's really not the Bubby Belt anymore. But now a reef, a reef, uh, as as as. Asad Khil. Asad Khil. Asad Khil says all fake. <laughs> he's meaning just, like meaning everything. Like, he's just like, like he's a Buddhist. Poo poo on all, you. Like this is no, all, no. I don't think he means that. I think he, I think he's saying. I don't know for sure what he means, but I think he's just saying you guys are all I, totally I, fake, I, which is a total. That's, that's a, like a that's like a that's like a type of Amalekite type of comment. It's like forget it. You're all there is no God. The whole he thing is, is but fake. unfortunately, as unfortunately as we know that that um. You know, this substitutes for discourse today. I had this uh -huh. experience just this morning. I posted a Ben Shapiro article that I didn't necessarily agree with all of it, but I think, like as is usual, he's just got that sort of machine-like mind that can just lay out, you know, like like uh, like the whole picture, right? So it's like, wow, that's worth reading. And I saw the comments that I got back. I'd say ninety percent of the people didn't ever actually read the article. Right? They just like, no, he's a bad person. He's a bad person. Yeah. I can't believe you platform him. It's like. Oh, uh, and Jews. and and let's just say that's the Ben Shapiro article talking to Orthodox Jews and asking them uh, about their acceptance of the LGBT plus Q 
plus so the, the 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 whole the whole gay rights issue. The only, you know where the only place he missed in that article what? is he didn't connect it to Hanukkah. <laughs> he didn't. It was a miss that he didn't connect it to Hanukkah. Yeah, no, it was a Hanukkah article par excellence. Right, absolutely. And you know what? Maybe maybe that's worth tweeting like that. But I want to say like. You do it. If people listen to you. I, don't, I ain't gonna get any traction out of it. <laughs> I, 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 by the way, sometimes I thought to myself, I, I, I thought to myself, wow, Western society is probably gonna go right down like Roman society. Basically, there are some theories that Roman society all, went all down, right? But specifically, the Roman society went down because of their, you know, uh, you know, homosexuality, super acceptance, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and and there's some theories that that's what caused, or the sexual. Let's call it this way: their sexual licentiousness. Yeah, I was uh, going to say it's 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 important to make a distinction because right. the the issue there is not um you know man loves man per se right the issue there goes back to the family that we spoke about which is that 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 when when sexual connection is kept within the context of procreation excuse me if I sound biblical for a moment right the demands on character the the recognition of consequences and responsibility for decisions the long-term commitments which serve as vessels for the pleasure and the complexity that we all experience when it comes to just sort of like visual physical sexuality are crucial vessels right and 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 i'm not even gonna get into judging other people which Ben didn't hesitate to do. And I, I, I appreciate the fact that he, he went all the way with his logic, right? I, personally, I'm not even going to get into judging other people. My challenge is, is that it's fairly clear how this Torah presents these things. And if a person wants to be merciful and try to reframe the Torah for an individual in order to be able to conceive of themselves as right with God, I support that. But to, to, to actively undermine one of the fundamental fundamental stances of the Torah, which is that your core to God, your core what? Your I, I, I missed I missed a word there. Your oh yeah, I, I jumped. I said that your core identity is your relationship to God, mm-hmm. and not your relationship to sexual desire. Right. That that's just a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's such a powerful phrase. What you just said. That your core identity is your relationship to God, not your sexual desire. Which is in no way to denigrate sexual desire or to underappreciate the challenges and the complexity and the power. But but the Torah is pointing out to you, yes. And I think the Torah is very kind of pragmatic and gritty about that, you know, um, in certain ways. And also the sages certainly knew, like you're pointing out. The sages weren't like ignoramuses of this question. Like you're pointing out, they they developed in the Greco-Roman world. This was nothing new to them. Right. Yeah, anyway, let's uh, a, it, no, it's, yeah, they, they, that's tough, right, and, and these things are not new. These things are not new. You're right. The Greco Roman, we are facing the Greco Roman challenge. I, I just wanted to finish that thought that I had for you before, which is similar to what you're saying, but like, I was like, mm, I, there was an announcement by, by President Biden and stuff this week, and I thought to myself, okay, well, this will lead to the inevitable end of Western, uh, the, the supremacy of Western civilization, which I do not count Israel as a full member of. I counted as a partial member. Well, we need or, to we need to create some space there, right? Like I, and I no, and I think there is natural space there. Um, there's, and there's natural space, but since the beginning of the state, we've been trying to close that gap and really position. Yeah, but it depends who we are. You know what I mean? Who's we? You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, like don't I, start I, that Jewish thing with me. No, because like I'll <laughs> tell you why. Because like I come from a Russian background, and you could see the Russia of today is very much like we are not part of Western civilization. These guys, they're going down. 
I'm not that you should like Putin, but I'm just saying like, like there's a part of me that's like, I'm not, I'm not that in the first place. And then this country, I think of it as a much more Sephardic country. And they're not like all day long talking about being part of Western civilization. They're like, they're not talking about that. Uh, and so, and yep. you know, and, and, and so, so I think that there's plenty of ways of like, from a very like natural, not non uh, massaged self-identity, which is like not so Western. So from the get-go, without even thinking it very deeply, there are some, you know, Hasbara folks that talk about us being Western and stuff like that. But, and we are also Mediterranean basin, which is many things, which is North Africa, which is Italy, which is Greece, which is France, which is, you know, it has, it has a lot of different flavors. And I wouldn't just like, you know, stick us into, to, to Western Civ exactly. We're, we, we've been crossroads of, 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 uh, of civilizations always. And we are our own civilization, although inspired by many Thank you. Peoples. Right. We Thank are, you the for Christian ending are, on that. That's right, what I was that's waiting we for. We are our own civilization. We have our own civilizational info, which fills our whole life. It's There's tons of it. Yeah, it's new, like we, new, yeah, numerically, we may not compete with the sort of classic grand civilizations, but but culturally and certainly in our influence on, on uh, human history, I will take second to none. Right. So, uh, so then I was thinking, well, well, there, there, there she goes. There goes that ship. It's starting to, it's springing a leak and it's going down. And then I must say something to you, which is also to bring in something very, very modern. There's a guy out there. There's always a guy out there that said that I think to myself, well, Western Civ still has an, has a chance to pull it out. And it's, um, you know, uh, the new boss of Twitter. Um, uh, what's his face? Uh, <laughs> Elon Musk. Musk is like, he's like, you know, I'm just like, wow, this guy is fighting for classical liberal values of freedom of speech, which is which is a cornerstone of, of Western Civ. And also, you know, pushing back on wokeness, etc. So there's still a chance. That's what I thought to myself. Still a chance for them as well. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but there's something in my heart which said to me like, there's still heroes that uh, you're, come you're breaking out of up badly. Life. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, uh, I'm just saying there's still heroes that are coming out of uh, out of those um, quarters. Yeah, listen. You know, it's important to remember that just because I glibly said that all empires have their day doesn't mean that they disappear necessarily. I think of the two different models as the Roman and the British. Meaning, mm -hmm. Rome imploded. It was gone. Right. It was like shocking. In fact, how quickly. The, the Germanic tribes were able to dismantle the Roman Empire. Great that's after a thousand years of rule, right? Yeah, no fair. I mean, yeah. they had a, they had a, they had a good ride. I'm not I'm not disparaging that. Um, but 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 Great Britain retreated, but maintained itself as a nation, right? You know, and 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 it could be that the sort of uh, people like Elon Musk, what they're trying to reach for are the core values of the American nation. In order that whatever lies ahead, there will be a base for holding the nation together if the sort of sort of global empire influence phase indeed passes. Right. Right. You know, you just reminded me that I remember that, that just around September 11th, soon after that horrible, you know, jihadist fundamentalist Islam attack on America happened, I remember that, that soon afterwards, uh, if I recall correctly, but at the time, I was amazed that the um, Harry Potter books came out, and How I thought to myself, I thought to myself, "Wow, like the deep part of like England and that whole Arthurian, 
like Arthur type, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, legends. And, inspi- and Tolkien came out of there, right? Right, like, and, right, and it's like, it's like, it's like, oh, you like, you struck us, we strike you back with our legends and with our consciousness, and there's this like, you know, uh, fight between East and West. Anyway, let me get to just a few other people uh, here. Khalid Zhang Zhang writes, "Elohim bless Pakistan." Well, I got nothing I mean, against that, Khalid. Absolutely, Elohim may God, God may Hashem. May Hashem bless and, and Pakistan as well. Our old friend Amen. Mark Pickles, our good friend and our old friend, says perhaps the sovereignty of the seventy nations depends on the all-centering sovereignty of Israel. The folks today who want diversity and inclusion seem to seem to me not to want diversity at all. They want a borderless world. But as I see it, the best out of, of every nation could only come out of that nation. That's an interesting dichotomy. That that Mark uh, puts out that the people want diversity actually want uh, um, a kind of homogenization, homogeneity. homogeneity. No, he's, he's absolutely correct. It's a, yeah, no, the, the the diversity language is is um, is a hypocritical perspective because it has the illusion that the universal involves reducing everyone to a sort of an atomistic individual, right? right. That the, this is, by the way, this is an old argument between Christianity and, and Judaism in terms of uh, the abstraction and disembodiment, right? I don't want to go all the way into it, but I think Mark is entirely correct. And this is certainly the Jewish vision of, of a unified world, a unified world in which I call it the ecosystem model, where I don't need the world to be Jews. I need the world to be the righteous nations. And it's through the diversity of the nations that the true riches of humanity will be experienced. There needs to be some element that allows us to move past, like we started with, the conflict that so quickly arises from difference, like amongst the brothers, and move into the tikkun, that sort of hix, fixing and healing and, the, and the, the perfection that allows difference to really become a thriving ecosystem model, right? And, and that's our dream. And, and, and yes, I agree that, that I do believe that that is the role that Am Israel is meant to play in the world because we have an ability to connect with everyone as they are and yet an obligation to stay as ourselves. Andrew says, blessings from Canton, Texas. And he says, hallelujah, beteka shofar, which means that's bless a, that's God. A big chazak. That's, a, that's a pretty chazak blessing, beteka shofar. <laughs> like it's like not just a hallelujah. It's like yeah. with a ram's horn. Throwing it. Oh, sorry. Um, let's see. Uh, now, Dawn writes, in the U.S., we get our Hanukkah education from Adam Sandler. You know that is actually the most unique Hanukkah spelling I've ever seen. I just want to. That's know right. That, with yeah. all the spellings I've ever seen, that's that right. One is she new. spelled it H O N I K A Hanukkah. Uh, we usually, yeah, we usually Which is phonetically it, correct. Yeah, more or less. Uh, it's, it's not Hanukkah. It's Hanukkah. Yeah, yeah, but that's I mean, if, if, so. If you lack the the chet, the Hanukkah, it's it's not an unfair. It's not unfair. All right, it's fair. In any case, uh, you know Adam Sandler. I want to tell you. Uh, I always he just thought got a that big award. What's that? He just got some big award, the Mark Twain Award. I just saw this. Oh, I don't know anything about that, but I, I, I do want to say that that original Hanukkah song did give people a Jewish boost for long, for many years, and and because he really said we are. But what is that song saying? We are different. We are unique. We are. We are. We have our own thing, and uh, yeah, don't lump us into Christmas. Right. That was that was. No, it was I a think, strong. You know, I think I, I think Adam Sandler. Is like he's on the team. 
he's himself. He does his own thing and whatever. But like the guy is clearly knows who he is. Well, we could talk more about that. I think that his uh, it might be that he didn't choose a lifestyle that perpetuates the Jewish peoplehood per se, which is too bad. Okay, but, def- but he definitely helped a lot of people feel Jewish, and 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 he he gets something for that. That's for sure. Uh, my good friend Dan Mastery says that I may have said twentieth of. Cheshvan, when I meant 20th of Kislev. So thank you very much for fixing that up. Uh, and Lou says, uh, our, fa- our faithful producer says, I love Elon Musk and approve of freedom of speech on Twitter. But he and Twitter have to be careful not to allow terrorists and hate speech to dominate the site. Indeed. Indeed. It's a challenge. It's definitely it a, challenge. a challenge. No question. Um, let's just, just, just do one last uh, little bit here. Let's talk about, let's talk about dreams. Um, God, God has different forms of of connecting to uh, to mankind and connecting to the people of Israel in the Torah. Um, you know, I said that there was like in the Joseph story, there there's three sets of dreams, but in truth, one could take it back also all the way to the beginning of the Yaakov story, where he also has two dreams. He has a dream of the latter, and then he has a dream. Of God telling him how to actually be successful in the in outside of the in the exile, and also calling him back to to uh, the land of Israel. So so there's those dreams. Then there's the two Joseph's dreams in this week's Torah portion, which is about the stars bowing down to him, stars and the, the moon and the sun, and then the wheat uh, stalks, sheaves, wheat uh, bundles, uh, sheaves, bow, yeah. sheaves bowing down to him. Uh, and then finally, the dream of the butler and the um, the baker. Baker. And I always say that the reason that the baker gets uh, gets loses his head while the uh, butler gets back is because you see that you need to drink more liquid and stay away from carbs, and that's just the Torah signaling that to you. Okay, that's a little dark humor <laughs> there. Um, yeah, yeah. So tell me about dreams, Rev Mike Foyer. Why? Why? Why dreams? Why connect through dreams? Dreams, so it's, it's kind it, of involuntary dreams. It's kind of like unclear. It's always going well, to be, it's always, P.S., by the way, last night I had like a nightmare, like it's like at like 5.30 in the morning right before I woke up. Like, I had like a nightmare. On. Well, it was, it was, it was one of these, I, I happened to know that it was motivated by the very day that I was facing because I was in my dream, I was in the Knesset on the way to help with this speech. And then I was lost and I couldn't find my way to the room. And then so, I looked down and my tie was mistied and I had a big stain f- <laughs> of liquid from my pants to my shirt. Classic. <laughs> and, then heard, and then I heard my name being called and Yishai Fleischer. Yishai, you're on. Yishai, you're on. <laughs> I couldn't even find where to go in my dream. And then luckily I was like, wait a minute. This is just a dream. I'm out. This Me is out. just an anxiety nightmare. Right. Exactly. That's a classic anxiety nightmare, huh? <laughs> uh, so, 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 why dreams? I think you, 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 you went to exactly where I wanted to start, which is Jacob's dream of the ladder. I think it's very important to understand that Jacob's dream of the ladder is not just another incident in his life. It's not just an in, another incident in the Jewish story. It's not just an, another incident in human consciousness. It is an essential archetype. Right. It is the, the fact that 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 the commitment of of the children of Israel, who are his descendants, is the commitment to the fact that there's always something which connects heaven and earth. And our task as individuals and as a people and really as humanity 
is not just to find, but to give expression to that connection. Now, here's the trick. I spoke about agency before, and I am a deep believer in, 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 in enhancing agency and commitment to agency and belief in agency. But what? Agency sometimes stands in direct. Oh, did, you, did, you, did I lose you? Yeah, you said agency stands in direct. Opposition to Amuna. Mm-hmm. To faith, to 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 ability, to faith, to faithfulness to God, to ability to let go and let God, and so therefore, it's very important to understand every dream starts the same way. You know how every what what does every dream share in common? And what does every dream share in common? Trick question. Every single one, without fail, you every asleep. culture, every person, you fall asleep. Right which means that you do the most basic letting go. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is possible. And that's what opens the door for you to be a vessel that connects heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right? And by the way, to, to connect back to our story, that's why Yosef is the, is the one who's able to transform his dreams into a reality that actually sets the stage for redemption. Right? He understands his own dreams. He understands... The dreams of the butler and the bakery understands the dreams of Paro. Why? Because what is it when Paro says, I, actually, I think it's in next week's Parsha, but whatever. When Paro pulls him out and, and he wants the, the the sort of explanation of his own dream, he says, I heard you can interpret dreams. What does Joseph say? Dreams are unto God. Dream interpretations yeah, are God's. Die. Right. Oh, without, that's die. right. He says, it was not me. Without you. It's not right. me. Without you, it's God not. will answer you in, in peace. And, and but then he but then he proceeds to give quite a actually smart answer and he's savvy even politically and like but it begins he, he takes his agency but it begins in Biladai. In the same way every dream begins mm-hmm. with saying but think about think about Yaakov by the way. Yaakov's running away from his face. His his mother convinced him to trick his father, his brother wants to kill him, and he's like, Well, chuck it, I'm just going to sleep. Now, part of that is definitely a stress response. We all know that one. It's like, I'm done. But that's an honest statement also. But it's also deeper. He's the first person that the Torah ever tells us goes to sleep. You know that? Well, I think Adam goes to sleep. No, Tardema is not sleep. Right, Tardema is... is, uh, is Tardema also happens to Avram. It's anesthesia, right? Anesthesia. God knocks him out. God knocks knocks out Adam. God knocks out Avraham. Right. Yaakov goes to sleep. It's a Uh decision. He could have stayed up all night by the fire, obsessing about what happened and going over (laughs) in his mind. How did he listen to his mother? And his father's going to hate him. And his brother's going to kill him. Yeah, sound familiar to you? Right. No, he's like, you know what? I'm I'm going back. (laughs) And that opens up a horizon Mm. for him to connect heaven and earth that paves the way for all the dreams that we see in our passion. Very good. Frankly, for the type of miracles that we see throughout history. Very good. Okay, I love it. That's a great. That's a great. That's a great point. And uh, I actually used that point today. By the way, I was at the Knesset. Things were going very late. Uh, Itamar Benkvir is not showing up, and I had like pressure from three or four different points. And I was just like, "What?" I I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like feeling the stress just thinking about yeah. it. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Like, is he coming? Was it coming? What's the deal? Was the I'm like, right? This, that, this, that. And he's sitting in a different part of the building with a huge amount of people smashing down his head. A million pressures. And then at some point, I was just like, "I'm, I'm just gonna let go." Like, <laughs> I'm doing my best. And okay. <laughs> and then, like, I can't control it. What are you going to do? 
Right, and and whatever. So everybody could just calm down, and the whole thing could just it's fine. And and the minute I let go, everything worked out just fine. And it was just, it was very important. It's very important to know how to let go. So I really like that. It's a great piece of advice. A great, great piece of advice. Uh, let's just uh, uh, give uh, a few people just a last chance to say something. Uh, our own Applebaum says the latter symbolizes the spiritual level of Bnei Israel in terms of how close or far they are to God. So that's great. And For then sure there's, there's up and down there. One of our sponsors. Uh, Chaim Davids uh, of ProhibitionPickle.co.il says, "Howdy, rabbis," and I say, "Howdy, right back." And and I want to tell you, right back uh, to you, my friend. That's right. And if you actually go to Prohibition Pickle, ProhibitionPickle.co.il, and type in coupon code Yishai, you will get percentage points off of any order that you make uh, within Continental Israel, um, and uh, of delicious, including if you want to send gifts of herring to Yishai or myself. That's right. That's right. Gifts of Shabbos, Shabbos prep. It's it's actually a lot of fun. It's special. I promise that I will have a deep Shabbos oneg on your behalf. Will you wait? Slicha, <coughs> I sneezed. Um, will you uh, send? See, but you got to give something back, Rev Mike. If you get a prohibition pickle, you mean If I'm having a good time, so are you. So what? Am I no, not, no, no, no. <laughs> no, that's not good enough. Will you be sending? <laughs> it was clever, a, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was clever. But will you be sending a blessing? Because I think that that's worth it. I, will, I think a person I wants will a special blessing. Not, not only will I daven for you at the kiddush, I will send you a blessing. I would take a picture, but it's Shabbos kiddush, so I can't. That's right. That. But maybe a picture right before Shabbos. In any case, very special maybe. stuff. And by the way, another uh, friend and sponsor of the show, uh, which is uh, Jay Brick, uh, my friend Yitz at jbrick.com, which is Jewish Lego. He is in Israel constructing the world's largest Lego menorah at the Lego store in Tel Aviv. And that's awesome. happening. That is that is really happening right now. That's so awesome. that's really cool. Uh, so that's jbrick.com. So some really great folks that are part of the show. Uh, Rough Mike Foyer, I want to thank you for being part of the show. You also have your uh, spiritual counseling for people who need it. Uh, and that's found at RoughMike.com or RoughMike.co. What are we at? No, RoughMike.com. And the Jewish story. Right? Jewish story.co. That Boom. is correct. And yeah. if, if folks want to join that share, you can send me an email, robmikefoyer.com. I'm happy to share with you the link for Thursday night. You want a little Hanukkah inspiration. Wunderbar. Wunderbar. And you will be able to get some spiritual, uh, 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 what do we call those? Hanukkah donuts, uh, Sufganiyot. You can get some Sufganiyot. serious. You know how those little hearts, you know, when you like something, there's like these little hearts that pop up on the screen. Do, 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 do. Instead, there's little Sufganiyot right now. Sufganiyot and amazing Hanukkah light is coming uh, from Israel. Rev Mike Foyer, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the program today. And I want to thank everybody out there uh, and wish you guys a Shabbat Shalom and a happy Hanukkah and a lot of strength and a lot of fearlessness uh, and a lot of love. I want to thank Lou uh, for being on the show and helping us produce it. Lou, Ben Bresky. Chavit Seidman, Moshe Herman, and Tabitha uh, for getting the show out to the world. And again, thanks to you, and God bless you. All right, it's great to be back, and blessings to everybody. All right, shalom, shalom. shalom. God bless you, folks. Steve Eisenberg says, Shabbat shalom lekulam. That means good Sabbath to everybody from Israel. I know it's only Wednesday night. We're getting ready for Shabbat. We're getting ready for the holiday of lights. Yeah, it's totally okay. God bless you, folks. Thanks again, and shalom. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed uh, the Rav Mike Foyer segment uh, of the Ishai Fleischer Show. I know it's another long show, and uh, God bless you. I want to wish you a happy Hanukkah. Lots of light, lots of uh, presence, lots of energy, lots of 
Beit HaMikdash, lots of uh, Jewish power, Jewish strength, Jewish uh, return to Jewish uh, uh, pride and culture, and of course service of Hashem, which is number one, uh, and the love between uh, us, one another as a people, and of course lovers of Israel throughout the world who are part of the story. Thank you so much to the lovers of Israel. You are indeed part of the story, and I, I feel that and I see that all the time. Uh, so we are sending you blessings from the land of blessings. Stay connected in the various ways. Join me on social media, especially on Twitter, where I have a lot of fun, and on Facebook. Of course, you can help make the show be widely dispersed and free of charge and by getting it out there yourself, by telling family members about it, by rating it highly. Uh, friends and family, of course, are welcome. And by going to uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai and going to yishaifleischer.com forward slash donate. Uh, which are ways to keep the show floating and our projects moving forward. We have so much to do when we're building the land of Israel. That's it. Thank you, Hashem, for the opportunity to speak with my friends and to push out the light of Israel during this Hanukkah season. God bless you. Stay strong, stay connected, stay tuned, and shalom.